Welcome to the Speaking Podcast. You can find all our episodes on speakingpodcast.com. We're also on BitChute and YouTube. You'll find the links in the podcast description. I'm also a podcasting coach. I've got four other podcasts, Meditation, Crypto, Awakening, Exposing Fraud and Corruption, and Learn Polish. You'll find everything on bio.link forward slash podcaster. My guest today, I'm looking forward to this because he's got an impressive CV. He's Emmy-nominated performer, producer, writer, 2017 Comedy Magician of the Year. And you're also a podcaster. Please welcome Larry Wilson. Thank you, Roy. So, very impressive. So, you might, you might. I mean, obviously, I mentioned a lot of things, but you might just kind of introduce yourself to the listeners, Larry. Uh, I'd be happy to. I um, I have a very strange life, I must say. I um, I've been a performer as a comedian magician for almost forty years, and uh, I've worked with the biggest stars in the world. Uh, you know, people who are recording stars and uh, people with Academy Awards for Best Actor, some of them with multiple Academy Awards. And in the course of my work, uh, sometimes over the last 30, 35 years, I would be hired one-on-one -on -one privately to help people with their communication skills. But I just thought, oh, this is sort of a showbiz thing. And then a few years ago, well, maybe seven, eight years ago, uh, a professor at MIT at Massachusetts Institute of Technology saw me speaking someplace. A professor who was the Ford professor of engineering there, uh, Professor Alan Oppenheim. And he approached me afterwards. He said, you know, uh, I really was impressed by your communication skills. He said, could I hire you to come to MIT and train some of our grad students to improve their communication skills? And at first I, I, I said, well, I'm not sure I understand. He said, oh, he said, they're all geniuses. They just don't communicate well. And I said, oh, sure, I'd be happy to. It'd be great. Uh, so I went there. It was a three-day event we did, and it was a phenomenal success. And it was eye-opening for me because they were geniuses, but they were so receptive and they were so interested and they were able to implement the stuff I was teaching. And afterwards, Professor Oppenheim said, he said, you know what? He said, you're a great performer, but this is what you really should be doing with your life. And I said, I can't believe you're serious. He said, yes. And I said, okay. I said, I'm not going to argue with you. So I put together Wilson Method communications training. And uh, what's funny about it, and of course, what, what was strange for me dealing with this high level of people, everything in it is very simple. Anyone can do it. If you speak English well enough to understand what I'm saying, then you can use all of the things I'm teaching to take your life to another level very quickly and see very real results. Um, and the reason I think is very simple because it's not about talent. Now this applies as far as I'm concerned to every speaker and whether they're people who want to be podcasters 
or whether they want to be um, live uh, keynote speakers for meetings, for presentations, whether they want to be uh, doing what we're doing right here. It could be anything. The thing is, it's not about talent. I worked with some enormously talented people during my career. And I was surprised to learn that very few of them rely on talent. They want to rely on technique. And this is fantastic news for the rest of us because a technique is transferable. Technique is something that's duplicatable. Uh, I can teach anyone technique. I don't know how to teach anyone to be talented. I don't know if anyone knows how to do that. Uh, but technique, you know, it's like hitting a golf ball or making an omelet or uh, sewing a quilt. Any of these things, once you're taught how to do them properly and you practice them, the more you do them, the better you get. You know, um, this may be somewhat far afield, Roy, but uh, a friend of mine who's a yoga instructor the other night was asking me for help with some stuff about her speaking. We we're talking about it. And she sort of nodded. She said, oh, yeah, yeah. She said, the body does well what the body does often. And I'd never heard this before. And I thought, yeah, that's exactly right. If you do it continuously, if you practice regularly, you just get better and better and better at it. So that's, um, now I should point out, I haven't stopped performing as a comedy magician. I love doing that. It's really fun. But it's very different than the Wilson method training I do. When I perform as a as an entertainer, the audience seems to have a wonderful time, and then we're done. When I train people in Wilson method, it seems to have much further reaching implications. It seems to extend way beyond the time we spend together. I have a, I had a student who flew in from Germany to train with me, a fellow named Patrick. And he was really just uh, there to train with me because he had a hard time dealing with um, customers he'd never met before. And he wanted to improve his ability to communicate with people who were complete strangers. And he did phenomenally well. But about a month after he'd flown back to Germany, I got a video from him. I think this is, uh, it's probably somewhere on my website, this clip of him. He's talking about how something unexpected happened to him when he got home. He said, I realized I was talking to my wife about things we'd never talked about in 15 years of marriage. And he said, I, I didn't realize at first it's because I was using all these Wilson method techniques. He said, they're so natural that they kind of just become a part of your day-to-day -day life. And to me, this was, I mean, he was thrilled and delighted, but not nearly as much as I was. Because I just thought, this is fantastic that a guy who comes to me for business reasons discovers something in his personal life that may even be more valuable. 
and uh, fantastic and, and so, with a name patrick he was probably hit irish ancestors i'm, I'm sure <laughs> <laughs> it's not a very german name no, is it? <laughs> so like i mean that was a uh, fantastic to get such a compliment from an MIT professor because you know like for those that don't know MIT would be a very high-end uh, university but I want to go back a few uh, levels because obviously sure. you've done a load of performing and everything but I'd love to know where it all began you know where you actually got o overcame your own fear well um this is something I don't really talk about very often but now is as good a time as any I, uh, despite my outward appearance, <laughs> despite the fact that I'm on stage all the time, I'm actually kind of shy. I'm not inclined to jump in and start a conversation. I'm not inclined to go up and introduce myself to people I don't know. And I can trace this back very clearly I had a I had a lovely childhood. I had a wonderful childhood. I had a loving mother and father. Um, just a wonderful life. My father was a highly esteemed psychoanalyst, and I think I think certain limitations he had personally made him a brilliant psychoanalyst. Uh, I met, when I was grown up later in life, I met a number of patients of his who came up and identified themselves in one circumstance or said, oh, you know, you're Dr. Wilson's son. I said, yes, yes. And they said, oh, you know, he saved my life. And they weren't being hyperbolic. They were being flat out factual. And sometimes they told me some personal stories that were, you know, hair curling stories and I realized what a profound effect he'd had on these people's lives and I think it was because my father had difficulty connecting with other people so as a psychoanalyst he could be very detached and emotionally uninvolved and this was extremely helpful to them so that when they were telling him about dreadful experiences in their life, he didn't get wrapped up in that. He was able to be very dispassionate and think about it and talk with them about it in a way that they felt they weren't being judged. Um, they felt very open. And the downside, of course, of this, as a child, I knew that he loved me, but I didn't feel like he actually saw me have you ever felt this way Roy no I didn't experience that but I was actually as you were telling me I, I I was thinking were you being analyzed did you feel that you were being analyzed as a child growing up knowing what his profession was no and that's what's so interesting because my friends sometimes when I was growing up would think this they'd say oh god if I'm ever at your house I'm always afraid your dad's looking at me and I said I have to tell you, I think my father works such long hours. I said, I think when he's home, he's not interested in analyzing anybody. And in my entire life, Roy, he 
I can only think of one instance, seriously, only one time he ever talked about his work. He sometimes it was sort of a joke in our family. If my father did something that was very, you know, out of character, we knew that somehow it had something to do with his work. My father, you know, we we're growing up in Los Angeles. I'm assuming a great number of his patients were famous people, people in entertainment. If my father said, what time does that television show so-and-so come on? Like, I would know, oh, no one would say anything, but I'd know my father's not interested in this television show. It must be a patient of his on the show that he just wants to see them and see how they're dealing with stuff. Um, <laughs> you know, and the only reason I know that is because much later in life, I encountered a couple of these people and they said, oh, you know, I was in treatment with your father for many years and he helped me with this and that. And I was like, oh, I had no idea, you know. So uh, so he never talked about that stuff. And I never felt as a child I was being analyzed. Uh, you know what, Roy? I think I would have welcomed it. I think I would have been uh, delighted to feel that he actually saw me, that he really saw me. I, it's very hard to describe, and I feel like I'm not doing the best possible job. But like you say, I, I've never really talked about this. Um, I had a very clear feeling of being kind of invisible. And it didn't feel good. And I found myself drawn to people who really saw me. Now, I'll tell you one that's so strange because it's, of course, someone who didn't really see me. They were in a movie. But do you remember the movie of The Wizard of Oz? Yeah. I'll never forget. I don't know how, I was I was very young. Four years old, five years old, maybe. I saw that film, and at the end, when they discover that there is no Wizard of Oz, and uh, Dorothy accuses, says, you're a very bad man. And he says, no, no. I'm a very good man. I'm just a very bad wizard. And then he proceeds to solve all of their problems with his use of language. And as a child, I'll never forget this. You know, he's saying, oh, uh, you're of the mistaken assumption that because you run from danger, you have no courage. Why? Back home where I come from, there are men who take out their courage every year from mothballs and paraded down Main Street. And I remember watching this thinking, oh, my real father. And I mean, it obviously had a profound effect on me because as I grew up, I found myself drawn towards people in entertainment and of course, many of these people are phenomenal communicators, and that is their gift. Um, I mean, seriously, I could burn up the rest of your day talking about some of these people. You know, I was very good friends with the entertainer Sammy Davis Jr., and to open for him when he performed at Harris uh, in uh, Nevada, 
in Reno. And Sammy was one of those people who could walk in anywhere and instantly he was friends with all these people. And even before I met Sammy, I saw that all of these huge stars had something in common, and that was their communication skills. I saw that they were able to get almost anything they wanted, and it had to do with the way they communicate. And so I would start to try to really pay attention. Now, some of them, I should tell you, some of them were clearly unconscious about what they were doing. They were just working on instinct. And so I would try to model those people and see if I could see what they were doing. Others, completely conscious, they knew this was technique. And if I asked them, they go, oh, sure, that's such and such. And they would explain the whole thing. And, uh, you know, I'll give you an example here. Uh, maybe this is not the most dramatic or exciting, but because uh, the people who are listening to this podcast are interested in speaking, um, it's astounding to me. It's like anything, Roy. It's, you know, if you love soccer, for example, you don't think you can just run out on the field and start playing and you'll be great. You have to learn and practice all these things. Now, because soccer is a highly specialized thing, more people be inclined to agree with that. They go, oh, of course, of course you have. But speaking is just like that. I'm astonished how many people don't have proper training in how to use their voice. I got a great deal of training. Like so many things, I told you before, my life has been so strange. I had a project where I knew I was going to be on camera. This is early in my career. And I thought, well, maybe I should try to get some training for my voice. And I knew someone who knew someone who's uh, was knew someone who was married to a guy, and they set something up for me. Now, I had no idea who this guy was. I just thought he was a friendly guy. And when I met him, I said, uh, he worked almost primarily with singers. And I said, I'm not a singer. I, I can't sing at all, but I just wanted to, he said, oh, great. So he trained me. I don't know. Maybe I trained with him for six months or a year. And I learned how to warm my voice up. I warn, I learned how to, um, breathe properly so that you don't run out of air when you're speaking. Uh, all these little things, all technique, all like lifting weights, you know, or hitting a tennis serve, just that's all it is, just doing it regularly and repeating it and stuff. Now, it became just a natural part of my daily routine. I'm one of the very few speakers I know who's never had any problems with his voice or throat. There's a lot of professional speakers out there. I won't name people, but they're famous people who all of your listeners know and have heard who have a voice nodules. They had to have things removed off their larynx, off their voice box, because they weren't using their voice right and they're 
vocal cords rubbing together. Never happened to me. Now, maybe that's just luck. I guess that's possible. I think it's because I had proper training. Now, years later, I find out because <laughs> I'm someplace or other and someone's commenting. They said, oh, you know, your voice is... Uh, is has a great quality and you seem to get great color out of it and great texture and i said oh well thank you and they said uh, you know you must have trained with someone i said well yeah this uh, guy erwin winward and they look at me like i might have said god almighty and they said you trained with erwin winward and i said yeah now i of course had no idea who he was he was just this guy but now I find out he's apparently a very big deal. Uh, he trained primarily opera singers. Now, you'd never know this. He was the most down-to-earth, you know, he was just dressed in a cardigan sweater and jeans, and he was always cheerful and friendly and just totally down-to-earth. But apparently, he was a very big deal in the world of singing. And some said, well, do you have a copy of his book? I said, I, I didn't know he had a book. And they said, oh, yeah, it's very hard to get. It's out of print. And they sent me this copy of it. And, you know, a lot of it were the things he taught me, but very uh, to a much higher degree and meant clearly for people who had incredible voices. And it was unbelievable. But that's so typical of my life. I stumble into something where I have no idea what I'm doing. And I wind up being trained by someone who teaches me some extraordinary technique. Well, I pass along what Irwin taught me now in Wilson Method because it's so easy to do. You know, it's um, that's always my hallmark, I think, is when people start giving me explanations for things that are very complicated, I'm always a little suspicious. I don't know if you've had that experience, Roy. But I, what I'm loving about it actually is that just from listening, Chad, that you were like a continuous learner. I mean, obviously, you got surrounded by incredible performers with massive charisma, but you weren't just taking it for granted. You were asking and questioning, which in turn you were planting the seeds, putting your own little Bible together for the Wilson method. You know, because I mean, I've had a lot of guests on this and the fact that you went away and asked for speaking lessons just to, you know, for your voice and everything. There's very few who have done that. Isn't that funny to me? It seems. Uh, and also, it's very funny, Roy, because I. I am um, I'm never uh, starstruck. And, well, I take that back. There was one time, <coughs> pardon me, there was, um, <laughs> for the most part, I've worked, and, and maybe because working with these people, my experience was that they were so nice and down to earth. Now, I'm sure there's some crazy ones out there. I'm sure there's some ones who have bad personalities and bad manners. I think I've just been lucky in that, I haven't crossed those ones. Uh, I've been with people who are so nice to me. Um, do you know the actress Anne Margaret? No. Who was the star of uh, of um, Bye Bye Birdie in the 60s and then these movies with Elvis? 
And then I think she won an Academy Award for uh, the Mike Nichols film, uh, Carnal Knowledge. And she's fantastic. And she's sort of known as being this very alluring, sexy, provocative woman. And she certainly can present that. But in real life, she could not have been sweeter. She was so nice. She was so thoughtful to everyone around her. So that's been really my experience. And I think as a part of what you're saying is if they had been uh, more standoffish with me, maybe I wouldn't have felt as inclined to pursue some of the things I pursue and ask them. But they seem so open. They seem so friendly. And it's interesting. Uh, I was going to say, the only time that I can remember being uh, starstruck, I was performing at a club in Hollywood. And one of the hosts came backstage and said, there's a guest out here who'd like to say hello to you. And I said, oh, okay. And so through he goes out and comes back with Cary Grant. And I, I was kind of speechless. <laughs> he looked exactly like himself, maybe better than he looked on screen. He was tall. He was immaculately dressed and quaffed and looked like a movie star. And he was he was very friendly. And I'll do a really bad Cary Grant impression because I can't really do an impression. But he's like, oh, Larry Wilson, it was so wonderful to see what you were doing. And uh, and I just was frozen. I was like, oh, thank you. You know, you ought to do. Now, I'll tell you what I did learn. I learned something from him. I think, and I can't tell you for certain because it was such an out-of-body experience. There were a number of people who were part of my team with me there, and we were all sort of huddled together completely frozen, all of us. And if they hadn't been there, later on, I would have thought that maybe I'd imagined this whole experience. But later on, I said, that was Cary Grant. They're going, yes, yes. I said, he talked to us for like 20 minutes. And they were like, yeah. When he left, he said, Larry Wilson, remember, think good thoughts. And I, I sort of went, okay. And then I said, uh, why? He said, because it shows on your face. I've never forgotten that. Now, it, it may sound like a throwaway line, but I guarantee you it was not. He was just tossing off this tiny gem to me that to remember what you're thinking about it shows what we call facial affect. It shows on your face. In the same way, podcasters, voiceover artists, keynote speakers, we hear it in your voice. And in Wilson Method, I'll train people, I'll teach them to take a moment before you go to speak to think of something that might be a person, it might be an experience, it might be a pet, could be anything, but something that really brings you joy. Because when you do this, we can hear it 
in your voice. Even if we can't see an image, even if we aren't getting video. Now, <clears throat> pardon me. It's funny, Roy. I think that the Irish have an unfair advantage here. Because I think that the Irish, the musicality of their accent, we hear all these things. I don't know if it's real or imagined. But when we hear an Irish person speaking, it makes us smile. There's something about the musicality. Now, you tell me, because am I imagining this? Do Irish people feel this way? Well, does, it depends what part of Ireland you're from, but does we all kind of mock each other. And I'm from the South, Cork, and they say we sing. So everyone else around Ireland say, oh, the Cork people sing. And I don't know. I mean, I've heard that a lot. I mean, it, not just with me, but loads of people love listening to Irish people. So, Yeah. Well, I'm not saying, I'm not suggesting that every speaker should um, should sort of invade a, a false Irish accent. And name your child Patrick in Germany. <laughs> Patrick in Germany, of course. But if you should be lucky enough to be from Cork, then you should definitely take advantage of that. Um and if you aren't, if you're from some other place in the world, you should listen, I think, to Irish speakers. Uh, you can certainly uh, see all kinds of films of Irish people, Irish actors, and listen to the sound of the voice because that musicality, I didn't know. That's interesting that they say people from the south of Ireland sing. Uh, it's what it sounds like. And it, it, that is um, sometimes in Wilson method. I'll try to come up with um, with touchstones for you to remember in case you get lost in the training someplace. And one of the things that I'll say is uh, there are three C's that I want you to think of. I want you to think of the C of connect, convey, and create. I want you to be able to connect with other people before you've even said a word so that you can convey your message and create authentic bonds. When you really create authentic bonds with people, they last forever. And it's extraordinary, but... There's people, I mean, some of these people I've been talking about with you that I've worked with, I think of them every day. Some of them I haven't seen in years, most of them in years and years and years. Many of them are no longer with us. Doesn't matter. In my mind, they're alive and breathing. They're right here. And that's because they created authentic bonds with me. And that ability to connect with people i think is essential for what we do oh, absolutely and i mean i've seen a lot of people over the years and i remember i was at an event in dublin and i got to see a lot of the speakers and even go out with them later and this was on the opposite side these people actually had the ability of speaking that you were going in awe 
but they didn't connect with the audit. They didn't have that ability. And even going out later, they were like not connecting with anybody. It was like they didn't mm-hmm. have a presence. So, and I see, you see the opposite then, obviously. Some people, and you will remember them. You'll remember what they said. But you'll remember where they touched you. And you tried to start following them as well. So, like, obviously, with the experience that you've got, you know, you're you're hitting the, the, the golden nuggets here. Well, you remember um, uh, the man who uh, started Playboy magazine, uh, Hugh Hefner. Hefner, yeah. I'll tell you a funny story about this. Uh, a, a girl I knew invited me to a party at the, the Playboy Mansion this many, many years ago. And uh, I said, oh, great. So I went there and... It was a spectacular, lavish party, and there are hundreds of people there. And it was, uh, and you know, the house was this sort of uh, made to look like this old English manor, but of course, it was in Beverly Hills. And um, at one point, she said, "Oh, I really want you to meet Hef." And I said, "You know, I don't think Hef is interested in meeting me." She said, "Oh, no, no, you'll really like him. You'll really like him." I said, "Okay." So she drags me over, and she says, "Hef, this is my friend Larry. I'll tell you about." And he turns to me and he says, oh, uh, hi. He said, Debbie, tells me uh, you just graduated university. And I said, yeah, yeah, I did. And he said, what was your major? And I said, "Uh, film and television production. And he said, oh, he said, do you like film noir? And I said, yeah, I love film noir. He said, have you seen the bad and the beautiful? I said, Oh, yeah, it's fantastic. He said, isn't Gloria Graham the most luminous creature you've ever seen? I said, yes. I said, now tell me something. Why wasn't she a bigger star? And he said, well, I think her face shape was different than a lot of uh, famous women stars. And also she was blonde when all the other people like Rita Hayworth and Ava Gardner were dark hair. Next thing I know, we're standing in the middle of this party talking for maybe 40 minutes. And I, I notice there's a gigantic crowd of people around us who are looking at me like they want to strangle me and get me out of there. And I said, oh, I said, you know what? I, I'm so thrilled to meet you and talk. I said, but I didn't mean to monopolize your time. I should let you. He said, oh, no, no. It was just really interesting talking with you. And uh, I said, well, thank you. I, I hope... Uh, I hope to see you again. And I left. And I remember thinking, now, this is a very plain looking guy. He wasn't handsome. He wasn't striking. But I thought, oh, I see why this guy has such success with women. Because he's really listening to you. And. I I mean this is this is a profound lesson for me and to anyone I think here who's interested in a career that has anything to do with speaking he listened to me and responded to me I I felt like the most interesting person in the world and when I've told this story sometimes to some of my students someone will say well yeah but what if you didn't what if you didn't know anything about filmmaking you know i said i guarantee you what he would have said is i don't know anything about that tell me what do you think is the most interesting part or 
what did you find was the most he would have said something but he would have said something that showed he, by his response he was actively listening to me and i've never forgotten that um that was that felt like a life-changing experience you know brilliant and with the comedy then because you know magician and comedy is that something that you incorporate because to, with my youngest son he's he's nine now i i started teaching him a magic a few years ago and it was basically to overcome the fear of public speaking because without even realizing it you're performing you get a reaction and then you're actually if you could do it at a young age you know it doesn't really affect because i was very late to the game getting comfortable speaking and i just never wanted with my kids so i just is it something that you're kind of with comedy and magic as well <laughs> well that's also that's a really interesting question no one's ever asked me that um i have to say it's um it clearly has something to do with my personality that in my head and i swear to you roy it feels like it goes back to the Wizard of Oz again. You know, the, the idea of doing magic, it's, um, it's a theatrical conceit. In other words, you're pretending that you have the power to do miracles. Well, to me... The idea that someone who says they have the power to do miracles and then their idea of a miracle is I'm going to change this penny into a stamp or I'll change this blue scarf into a red scarf. That strikes me as funny. Like if you had real supernatural powers, I can think of a lot more exciting things you could be doing with them. So to me, it was already a humorous situation that you say you have supernatural powers but you use them for the most silly and trivial undertakings now they can be impressive when people see that blue scarf change into a red one it may be utterly breathtaking but at the basis of it it seems like such a funny idea and you know it's funny the different uh, influences I, I can think of there was a book in the 60s that was very popular uh, called uh, Stranger in a Strange Land. It was a science fiction book by Robert Heinlein. And uh, the basic story is about um, an expedition to Mars where everyone dies in a crash landing except a baby who's on board. And it takes them 20 years before a second expedition can be launched to get there and rescue this baby. During that time, that baby is raised by Martians. So he's a human, but he's somehow more Martian than he is human. And he has all kinds of incredible powers that seem like magical powers. And when he gets back to Earth, people are trying to teach him how to be human again. And at one point, he's overwhelmed by all the attention and everyone pulling at him from every direction. And so he tries to sort of go underground and escape. And where does he go to escape, Roy? He joins a traveling circus as a magician. 
but the what's funny in the story is he's actually doing real magic the audiences don't know and one of the the circus people are all sort of they don't know who he is they just know he's this young guy and they're all trying to help him be a better magician and they're trying to explain to him exactly what you and i are talking about here they're trying to teach him how to connect with the audience and he he's a martian he doesn't really get it you know and and they say to him they go yeah your magic is unbelievable your magic is the best i've ever seen but you have to connect with the audience and bringing all this full circle i think that may be why uh, the comedy element for me came almost as an afterthought because the whole situation strikes me as funny and so i can't i can't do it with a straight face i can't do it and and when i perform i'll do a uh, the character that i play really is very hyper theatrical as if i'm almost daring you to say you don't have supernatural power but i act like oh yes i do and to me that's funny because it's absurd brilliant and with when you're doing the groups it's like a a boot camp and or a workshop kind of thing a few days. But what I've noticed is you limit it to 10 people, which a lot of people don't. They try to bring in 50 people or whatever. And I'm just curious Ooh. your reasoning behind keeping it as, as a smaller group. <laughs> well, no, that's a great question. The reason is because I'm not a great businessman, Roy. I'm a I'm an expert communicator. But I'm not a genius at uh, business. I suppose... It would be much more, I'm sure there's some business word for it. There's some expression, a cost effective or something like this. If I bring in 50 or 100 people at a time. Now, I will uh, on certain occasions, um, uh, just before the pandemic shut everything down in the United States, I did a, a half day training for a large group at Mutual of Omaha, a gigantic insurance company here in the United States. And it was fantastic. I had a great time with them. But there's only so much you can do with a group of 100 or 150 or 200 people. You can certainly teach them a lot in a half day. Then it's incumbent upon them to pick up the baton and carry it further. I do these two-day boot camps and... I call them boot camps because um, unlike some training sessions where someone stands there and talks at you and has whatever they have to say, I actually make you do the things that we're learning. And I find that if it's more than 10 people, it's very hard to give people the intensive, personal, one-on-one -on -one attentions required. I want them to learn what we're doing, and then I'm making them get up and do the things that we're talking about. Because as I'm sure you've had this experience, it's one thing to hear about it, but when you actually do it, you have a feeling of ownership. You, you feel like, oh, 
I get it. I see what you're talking about. You know, you um, you can talk all day about a golf swing, but until you get out and do it, it's impossible to describe all the things that are going on. So um, these boot camps are are pretty intensive. They're very immersive. Uh, it's a good eight hours a day. And it's an extraordinary experience because I'm coming at you with a lot of different things that people have never considered, both verbal and written, so that when they come away from this boot camp, they have enormous number of tools that they can use in communications. You know, sometimes I also talk about three Ds in Wilson Method. That is to determine, define, and deploy. That I want you to determine what your goal is in communication before you jump in. Now, again, this may sound so obvious. It is obvious, except nobody does it. Everybody tries to shoot from the hip and frequently it becomes a mess. If you take the time, and it may only be five minutes or it might be an entire evening, depending on what you're trying to do. If you really determine what is my goal here? What am I trying to do? Are you trying to get a raise? Are you trying to get a date? Are you trying to get a appointment? Are you trying to get a presentation? What is it you're trying to do? Then it makes it much easier to focus on your message. And then you have to define what is the means of communication? You know, uh, there isn't like one size fits all. If you and I are talking here on Zoom, but if we were in the same room face to face, we'd be using different skills. If it's on a text or email, different skills. If it's a handwritten old school style, different skills. If it's on the telephone, different skills. And so you want to define that clearly so that you aren't all over the map, so that you're able to focus again. And then deploy the specific tools that you learn in Wilson Method. Um, that's, you know, it's funny because I, I probably, again, here's, here's a good example of what a bad businessman I am, Roy. I probably shouldn't admit this, but I feel like I get more than anyone gets out of the training. It's so enjoyable for me to see people light up, to see them make the connections and go, oh, oh, I get it. Like I said, if it was stuff, if I was trying to teach you things that were difficult, I wouldn't be able to do it. Anyone can do this stuff. It's simple. It works. Anyone can do it. And, uh, you know, uh, sometimes someone has said to me, oh, well, so what makes you think you're the only guy in the world who can teach me how to do this stuff? I don't think that. I'm not the only guy. You don't need anybody. You could do it yourself. You could do what I did and spend 40 years doing it by trial and error. 
I think my value is that I'm uh, saving you many, many years of fumbling around. I'm, I'm just accelerating the learning curve for you so that you're able to do this more quickly with less uh, false starts, uh, with less confusion, with less uh, feelings of, is this the right way to do it? I can say, yeah, just do this, this, th simple as that. Brilliant. And just for those that won't have the opportunity of actually, because I would love to actually go through that, especially instead of taking a few years going through Toastmasters, just by listening to But have you got a book or something or a course that people that can actually maybe do online or just buy a book? Is there something else that people can learn this? See, Roy, you're much more savvy businessman than I am. I, I should have thought of that and, uh, <laughs> and promoted that. But you see, that's not my expertise. My expertise is in communication, not in marketing. Um, I, Because of the pandemic, I realized, oh, I should create something so that people who can't come and train with me in person can do something online. And... It's taken quite a few years for me to bring it up to the level that I think it should be. We're just about to roll that out now um, at thewilsonmethod.com, um, an introduction to Wilson Method. There's uh, quite a few different modules that I'm working on now when people hear this, but I always think it's best to start with fundamentals and work with them, build up those skills so that uh, they become perfectly natural. Um, I think it's uh, it's interesting. There's, uh, there's pros and cons to it. One of the things I think that's a tremendous pro is you have access to this online training in perpetuity. So you can constantly go back to it and review it and pause video and back it up and watch it again. And that's a great benefit. Um, as you can tell, Roy, when I get going, you may not be able to stop me live. You know, I get off on some tangent and I'm, I'm someplace down the road. Um, so that's a great thing, I think, that you can watch. And then I have specific assignments for you in the online training where I want you to do specific things. And that may be uh, a great advantage to the online benefit. Um, the only downside I can think of is that you don't have me there with you live moment to moment. Now, having said that, I'm very responsive to people who are serious about this training. And... I mean, even so far as your people listening, if someone sends me a, a, an email, has a question, I read all of them. And I will respond to them. Because I know it's not easy to do. Maybe that's that element of me I was telling you at the top of this, that I'm really kind of shy. I know it's hard to reach out. I... um. I play the role of someone who's not shy 
in order to do some of the things that I have to do for this training. And, you know, <laughs> I'll tell you something else. <clears throat> Many years ago, I was performing at a club in uh, Michigan in the middle of the United States, and just a little town. And I was there for a few nights. And after the first night, I was in some restaurant or something. And it was like a fast food place, I guess. We were lined up to for them to take our order. And I was feeling irritable. I don't know why. And the people in front of me couldn't get their order sorted out. And they were taking forever. And I was thinking, these people are idiots. And one of them turned around and looked at me and said, hey, you're Larry Wilson. And I said, oh, uh, yeah. And they said, we saw you last night. Oh, you're fantastic. Well, my opinion of them changed very quickly. And I, I was hit with this feeling. I've never forgotten this, Roy. I thought, oh, this is why we do this stuff. To make friends everywhere in the world. So that eventually, if I go to Ireland, or if I go to Poland, or if I go to Samoa, I have friends there. And that's really what this speaking is all about, I think. Beautiful. Listen, Larry, I know I have to get you back because we've only touched the surface and I loved your stories and the different tips that you've been giving. You mentioned your website, but you might just mention it again. And also if there's any other handles that you want to get people to contact you. I'll do better than that, Roy. Because this is, of course, a site for people who are serious about speaking. Um, if people are really interested, let's do something. Um, I'm going to have my IT guy put up a special page. Uh, everyone is welcome to go to thewilsonmethod.com. But if you go to thewilsonmethod.com slash Roy, R-O-Y, I'm going to have some special stuff up there that's just for your people. Um, I'll have that introduction to Wilson Method. We'll, um, let's discount it by 50% so that if you go there and it's not there, it means it was a limited time. But I'd love to keep it up there for quite a while so that people who hear this podcast, if you're serious, I'm a big fan of rewarding people who take action. So if you go to thewilsonmethod.com slash Roy, you'll find some very special stuff there. Excellent. Yeah, appreciate that. And I'm sure the people would love to see what's there and uh, fantastic with the discount. So listen, Larry, thoroughly enjoyed our conversation and I look forward to getting you back. Thank you. Me too. It's fantastic. Fantastic. Okay. So that's all for the Speaking Podcast. You'll find all our episodes on speakingpodcast.com. As mentioned, we're on BitChute and YouTube. And you'll find my coaching along with my other podcasts on bio.link forward slash podcast. Be sure to give us a thumbs up, five star rating, share with your friends. 
and check out all the things on uh, Larry's site. I'll have the link button, the audio on the video. Until next week, take care.